Well, good morning and or afternoon and or evening and or middle of the night, whatever time it happens to be as you're listening to this, either live or on recording. And uh, yes, that is a little bit of a spoiler. We do record these. So if you did not know that, these are being recorded, uh, so you can go back and listen to these later. Uh, we do post these recordings uh, usually in the Realtalk tab of your FCMT online login, where you can go back and check these things out later on. Uh, so a couple things as we get started. First off, welcome to Real Talk. Let us know in the chat box if this is your first time on Real Talk or if you are an old veteran. Uh, let me know there. And I'm going to promote Justin to co-host apparently to let him use his camera. So I guess we'll let you see Justin's face today. We'll see. Uh, so I see a lot of uh, rookies here, a lot of first timers uh, and a lot of veterans. Uh, along the way. So, so excited to have you here. Uh, if you have not been on one of these before, I'm Tim Mann, one of the senior coaches here on the team at Ramsey, joined today by senior coach Lisa Barber, also senior coach Justin Weaver. Uh, Les is in another meeting today that he couldn't get out of, so no less today. We'll see if that makes us better or worse. We'll see how the day goes. Um, for those of you that have not been here, though, uh, this is a time for us to dive in really deep, to be open, vulnerable, and real as we talk through some really important topics. Sometimes these are very business-oriented, sometimes very personal-oriented, but always geared toward helping you become a more thriving, impactful, effective, and efficient coach. Uh, so with those things, we do want participation today. Now, we do have uh, almost 350 logged in live so far. Uh, so with that... Uh, <laughs> Did just says no less, no more. No, no, no. Well, less we'll be back at some point. We hope. See how this meeting goes, actually. Uh, I'm kidding. It's not that kind of meeting. Um, I'm recording this, right? Okay. Well, this might be my last time on Real Talk, everybody. So if, if that's the case, it's been great. It's been an honor. See you next time. Or not. Uh, but uh, this is a chance for, we, we do get sometimes a little silly on here. We do have some fun, uh, but also our job here, our goal here is really to push and challenge some things inside of us. Uh, this is an opportunity to participate with each other as well. Uh, so one of the ways to do that is through this chat box. You are welcome to use that chat box to chat with each other uh, throughout the course of the call, but do make sure that you set your chat box to everyone. There should be a nice little drop down menu there that says to everyone, if it just says hosts and panelists, uh, that means that only Lisa, Justin, and I can see it. And so if you don't have everyone listed there, not everyone can see it. And so as you're trying to offer encouragements and such to each other, you'll lose that opportunity there. Uh, now, I did see some of you are using this to see who else uh, lives in your area. That is a really great idea. Uh, there are popping up all over the country, groups of coaches getting together to encourage one another, to have pizza or coffee or whatever together. Uh, and just to find out who else is in the area. And so if you want to do that, that chat box, you're welcome to do that as well. And we do uh, strongly suggest uh, that getting connected with other coaches in your area is a good thing. Uh, I know that we do that here in our area as well. So really excited to be here there. Also, as you have questions for the panel today, feel free to drop those in the Q&A box. And if it's on the topic that we're discussing today, we'll try to get to some of those. We will probably not get to all the questions in the Q&A box, but if you do have questions specific to our discussion topic, the Q&A box is better because this chat box moves really, really fast. Uh, if this was a teleprompter, it's entirely too quick. And uh, so there is no way in the world that we're going to be able to catch every single question in the chat box there. So uh, again, if you have specific questions you want called out on the audio portion of this webinar, please share those with us in the chat box. So with that housekeeping stuff out of the way, let's talk about what we're really here to talk about today. Now, leading into this topic, I do want to address uh, one of the things that I think is really, really interesting. And by the way, apparently someone's got some audio issues 
from my voice. Uh, Lisa, Justin, any issues with me cutting in and out? No. Okay. Nope. Uh, good to know. So um, if you can hear this, sorry, you might want to log out and back in. If you are having audio issues, a lot, oftentimes logging out and back in will solve those for you. Uh, so again, totally a plausible thing that could be happening there. But we, we don't often plan Real Talk topics weeks or months in advance. So we're the time period where we did, uh, but we don't often do these weeks or months in advance. And the, the biggest reason for that is that it doesn't allow us to respond to the needs of the group at any given time. And so we want you to hear from us. We, we oftentimes do put our topics together maybe an hour or two ahead of time. But the way that we determine what we're going to talk about on Real Talk is what are the conversations we're having with all of you, whether you're coming through your development calls or if you stick around beyond uh, FCMT and those of you that have gone into Ramsey Preferred Coach and are going through different elements there, what are the things that we are consistently hearing from a, a larger scale that we can help a whole bunch of people with all at once? And one of those things that we've really been hearing a lot of uh, interesting feedback on, a lot of challenge here with recently, is this idea of how do I really handle being a bold, honest truth teller, but in doing this in the best way possible? So I would love to hear, Lisa and Justin, what are some of the challenges that we've been hearing? What are some of the sticking points Let's address the problem here first, but what are some of these challenges or sticking points that we've been hearing that have been making it difficult for our coaches to succeed as we're trying to handle this particular essential of coaching? Well, I'll go ahead and, and just jump in. Um, you know, uh, the idea of being a truth teller, coaches, that is that is what we do. We, um, you know, the, we know from the word of God that the truth sets us free. Right. And we, that's what we want for our clients. We want freedom. We want them to um, we want the best for them. Our big, bold and compassionate hearts. Um, we love people and we want to see them succeed. Um, in the name of that, though, um, um, coaches, I have been speaking a lot with recently. Tim have struggled a little bit about how to step into that truth telling um, uh, opportunity, um, but do it with love and compassion. Mm -hmm. um, do do it with with by challenging perspective in a loving and kind way. Um, now we hear Dave on the radio with someone, and he can get a little gritty, right? And I'm what? being no. mild about that, right? <laughs> so, um, and we have this idea in our head that that's the way we would deliver. But, you know, Dave has three minutes on the air to potentially change someone's perspective, to, sh sh you know, slap them with that truth, so to speak. And um, that's not what a coach does. That's not the coach's heart. Um, it, the coach's heart is filled with compassion and kindness. Um, the, the, the second thing behind that in my saying this is that um, coaches, some of you are much more direct. You have that if you're familiar with the DISC personality profile, the D-I-S-C, and we have that D personality where we are extremely direct in our delivery. And I, I, I'm included in that, that, that D category. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but the, the, the thing I have to remember is that I, my client doesn't need to know that the person I'm talking to, even if it's not a client, whomever I'm speaking with, they don't need to know 
that I'm direct and smack and, you know, that I, I'm going to deliver something um, that could be hurtful or harmful even instead of restorative. And it's all in the delivery. It's not a question, Tim, of whether or not I speak the truth and tell the truth or not. It's of a question of how do mm -hmm. I do it? Yeah. And I do think that's going to be an important thing for us to kind of get into today is mm -hmm. the how we do it, right? How do we approach this? Because I saw someone put in the chat box, like, wait a second, like difficulty telling the truth. What's the alternative? Lie to our clients? Mm -hmm. Well, no, we, we don't want to lie to them. Mm -mm. But th there is a way to tell the truth that is effective, and there is a way to tell the truth that is not effective. And we want to kind of separate out some of those differences today mm -hmm. and figuring some of those things out. Justin, how are, how are you seeing this play out in some of your conversations and some of your discussions? I, I see one of the big distinctions here as telling versus asking. Um, mm -hmm. We see this a lot in, in our training and development calls that we do in FCMT and beyond. And, and I like to talk about it this, especially when we're talking about like the seven essentials of coaching. We talk about being a truth teller, but we have to be careful as coaches. If we don't pair being a truth teller with the heart of a coach, like Lisa was talking about, compassionate, restorative, judgment-free, mm -hmm. our truth telling can come across much more harmful than helpful. Mm -hmm. And so one mm -hmm. of the things that we talk about in, in the training is Coaches, where do you go first? What is your first reaction, your first response when you hear either a statement or a question or you see something on the paperwork with a client? If one of the first things you turn to in your coaching toolbox is, I see something, I hear something, or a, a client has asked me a question, and I go straight into, I'm going to tell you the hard truth right away that may not be the best approach for you to take as a coach. Mm. Why not? It's not it, it may not get you the reaction that you're going to want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. what, what we're doing a lot of times in coaching is, yes, we're dealing in truth. Yes, we're dealing in fact. We're dealing with numbers on a page, but we're also working with a person. And oftentimes as a coach, what we're doing is we're challenging mindsets, behaviors, habits, and beliefs. Not so much the numbers that are on the page. And while it may be, true that this client their best option is to sell the car to stop eating out to cut the cable right all those solution oriented things that may be a truthful thing that may be a true thing that they need to do but if if our first response as a coach is to come in and just give them the hammer of all the hard things they need to do right away is that going is that the most effective way depending on who you're talking to in order to get that client to think through and reshape their mindset, their habits, their behaviors, their beliefs about mm -hmm. their money. And I think that's a really important element that you just tapped on here, Justin. It's how are we shifting the mindset, right? One of the problems when we want to jump in and just say, well, here's what you should do, right? This then is how you should live. And that phrase appears in a particular book quite a bit, and there's a different authority from there. But when we want to step in with that kind of authority, when we want to step in and say, here's the thing, here's what you should do, here's what Dave Ramsey says you should do, or here's what I say you should do, or here's what wisdom says you should do, or whatever that is, we're not actually training somebody to learn how to think differently 
and how to process differently what's going on in their world and how they might need to approach something differently, how they might actually benefit from thinking these things through a little bit differently. Because what we don't want to do as coaches is create a situation where our clients are reliant on us to make their decisions. If, if we create a situation where our clients are reliant on us to make their decisions rather than learning how to make the decisions, we failed as coaches, y'all. And that's a harsh word. I get it, right? This, this is me being a truth teller right here in this moment with all of us. We fail if we don't help our clients learn to think for themselves with wisdom as a guideline, with their future as a guideline, with morals and ethics and reason as guidelines. But if we just come in and, and blast somebody and say, well, here's what I think you should do, that's not it. That's not going to get us there. And so understanding what some of the challenges, I would love to hear what are some of the words that you've heard, Justin and Lisa, or, or coaches, you can even tell on yourselves or a little bit on each other, mostly on yourselves on this one. What are some of the words that you've heard either other coaches say or that come out of your own mouth and you realize like, that was not the truth in love. That was not the truth with gentleness. That was not the truth in a way that's going to help them learn to think. I just told them. But what do those things sound like? What are some of the words that, uh, that trigger those thoughts in your mind? Well, a phrase, and it's interesting, I saw it get typed in to the Q&A box that comes to my mind, words, um, is, and, and I heard my mother say this when I was young, that we, um, I want to kill, we, we want to kill with kindness. You know, when you're talking about the bully or the, 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 the person who doesn't have the same understanding as you do as a child, she would use that phrase a lot, kill with kindness. And the first thing that comes to my mind, Tim, is um, what are we killing? What am I killing? Yeah. You know, and, um, I, you know, that that um, smash mouth smack. And I saw a lot of people when I mentioned the dispersonality profile, you know, I'm that high D personality. Or if you choose to look at the Enneagram, that eight challenger, I am too, y'all, again, off the charts, I, I get you. I understand you. I understand you. But Justin said something really important is that it's a person, not a problem. You know, and so if we look at the person first and we ask ourselves if that phrase comes to mind, killing with kindness, what am I killing? Or with who? the words that I'm or whom that uh, the Bible warns about our language and our words. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. You know, only only words that are good for instruction. Tim, you're great at pulling up the scripture, you know, and pulling that in. Again, that doesn't mean I'm not going to deliver the truth. It's about how I do it and and how I build trust. I mean, if if I walk in and, you know, my teenage daughter's standing there dressed in something wholly inappropriate, inappropriate you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I want to be careful that I don't say something that makes her feel ashamed of herself and, 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 and question her. I'm going to use questions. We'll go back to that. I'm sure we'll dive deeper into how we'll use our questions, but I, I'm not going to say something 
in truth that will cause shame because you know the whole point of Jesus and while he came and if that's who I want to mimic would be that I, I help someone lift lift someone out of shame and restore them to a place of honor and mm -hmm. if I say to them you know I saw the new drive out tag on your vehicle um, you know there's a whole lot of reasons you shouldn't have bought that Oof. and if we start hearing words like that shouldn't you should shouldn't um need or don't need to those words about? are shaming yeah or the fake question justin that's right have you thought about yep. that, was, right. that was me mm -hmm. and um so it, it it truly is starts with our words it starts with it was again we're not questioning whether or not we're going to deliver the truth we're going to deliver it but how are we going to get it there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's one thing that really stood out to me when Tim asked this question. Uh, and I'm going to channel my inner Les for a moment. But Les likes to talk about begin with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And so if the end that you have in mind is mm -hmm. I, I, I want this client to be in the right financial position. And I think selling the mm -hmm. car is likely their best option to get to that end result that we want them to go for. Now it turns into how do we deliver the information or ask the right question as the coach so that the end result happens? Because I mm -hmm. can't cause my client to do anything. I can't force them to sell the car. I can't force them to actually stick to a budget, right? That's not within my power as a coach. Maybe you can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, y'all. Diff different coaching style. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we have to re remind ourselves, what are we in control of as coaches? And what is within our client's control? And so this is where I love that Lisa brought up the disc earlier and just acknowledging that some of us have, well, not some of us, we all have different ways how we naturally communicate to others. Mm -hmm. One of the keys that a coach has, though, is we learn to recognize what is our own style mm -hmm. and we want to learn what is our client's style. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm high on S and C. I have a very low D and a mid-range I on the disc profile. I know that about myself. I also can know and learn and understand how to interact with people who aren't like me. And so rather than leading with, well, this is how I am, learn to deal with me as your coach, I can instead learn about my clients and then say, okay, in my own mind, mm -hmm. how can I better tailor my message to the way I know my clients move and interact and work well in the world? Mm -hmm. Instead of butting heads directly against a differing personality style, I can then come alongside my client and say, now, how can mm -hmm. I encourage this person who's different from me come to a conclusion that I want to help guide them towards. And maybe in that process, we discover new conclusions, new pathways to get to that same place that we want to get to, that financial peace that we're working for our clients. And, and as we're talking through this, uh, Lisa, you mentioned several scriptures, and there's another one that came to mind that I think is really important as we're understanding the value of, of these conversations and how we have these conversations and why we have these conversations and the words that we choose. Uh, so I want to take us for just a second to the book of James chapter three. Um, and this was written by 
the half-brother of Jesus, the guy who didn't actually believe that Jesus was who he said he was well, well after the resurrection. But he writes this really, really interesting statement here. Uh, he says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Of course, no one can do that. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Be rough. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and curses. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, part of the reason that we're spending so much time on this topic today, besides the fact that it's really, really a practical thing in your coaching, is the way that we talk to our clients, the way that we present these conversations, the way that we share truth is a direct reflection and a result of what is already inside of our hearts and minds. Let that sink in for a second. The way you speak to your clients, the way that you push or pull or challenge or, uh, or encourage or all these different things are a direct result and a direct reflection of what you believe about your clients and about yourself. And so one of the reasons that it's so important to look at this and to think about how am I presenting this to my clients? What is my presentations to my clients saying about me? When I'm wanting to jump in and fix their situation for them by telling them, here's what you should do. What am I really saying about myself in that moment? That I'm better than you. I know more than you. I'm smart. You are not. Who's the I'm hero? wise. You're a fool. I'm here to save you. And if you don't let me save you, you're going to live forever in darkness. That'll be $300, please. <laughs> right? And again, like th this is a tough thing for us to, to hear. You know, I'm saying this to myself as well. Right? Go back to the beginning of what I just said. We all stumble in many ways. I didn't, I'm not saying it, I'm actually reading it. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole, keep their whole body in check. That's not me. That's not me. But it's important for us to understand this is where these things come from. And so when we catch ourselves not being the appropriate truth teller, when we catch ourselves, we need to ask ourselves why. We need to dive in a little bit and figure out where in the world is this coming from? What, what is that dark, deep uh, inside part of me that's, that's coming out in this conversation? Lisa, Justin, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm sticking in on that hero, not the guide. 
side of what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I need my client to see what I see. Mm-hmm. I need them to see, I need them to understand what I'm saying. Now, I mean, there's, we got to be able to communicate, right? And that's not to say we can't help guide people through the process, but, you know, listen, listen to your own words, do an audit on yourself and check your heart where you're at with some of the conversations you've had recently. But part of the reason why we do real talks the way that we do them is so that we can respond to what is happening recently. What, what are we hearing from our coaches? What are we hearing from mm-hmm. clients? And we tailor our topics to those things. So if you're here on this call and it's live or you're listening to it this week uh, as it comes out, you know, these are some things that we are hearing bubbling up in several different places. Doesn't mean this is the only thing that we're hearing, but we like to be able to respond to that. So if you're hearing our conversation today and something is latching on for you, do an inventory, do, a, do an audit of your own experiences. What are, the, what are some of the conversations you've had in the past week to a month? How have your conversations been going? How, mm-hmm. how have your consultations been going? Do you see any common threads? And it can be good to do that from time to time. It's hard, y'all. It is not easy. This is me speaking for myself, holding up the mirror to myself and reviewing how I talk and what I say and listening to recordings. Not fun. I do not like doing that at all. But there's some gold, there's some gold that can be mined there that I won't be able to find anywhere else. And so if I ignore that area to go find treasure in, I will always have a blind spot in my coaching. Mm-hmm. And that always is a really strong word, but I don't think it's inappropriate here, right? If we're not taking the time, like Justin saying, to audit ourselves, to think these things through, what are we missing? What opportunities for growth have passed us by because we don't take the time to stop and think about where these things are coming from inside of us? Where does this perspective come from in my coaching? What drives me to approach my clients in such a way? My personality, my experiences, any number of things. Lisa, what are your thoughts on this? I know you've probably got a few. Well, um, Dustin was just talking about, you know, gold and treasure, you know, and and people that they are. Or Bitcoin if you're into crypto. (laughs) Wow. All right. Whole nother real talk. We know what our next subject is, right? That we're going to have to convince Justin. Do we really spend a whole hour on how terrible crypto is? Um, Sorry, Lisa. Go ahead. uh, No, that's all right. (laughs) But, you know, here on Earth, we look at treasure and gold, and those are the most valuable things. And we're mining for that. We're digging for it. We're uncovering it. We're discovering. Here's something that somebody said to me a long time ago. The thing about that is gold and, and jewels, rubies and diamonds. Those are God's building materials in heaven. Think about that for a minute. The person is worth and more valuable than gold and silver and jewels. And I I don't care what kind of stinking thinking they have. It doesn't matter whether they agree with me or not. It it doesn't matter if, if they want to be angry with me because of the way I think. I, I need to look at them and watch them look at them and in mind for that treasure that is far more valuable than what we think. 
Mm -hmm. um, the most important thing is that I earn and keep the trust of the relationship. And not in the name of telling the truth. They'll, 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 you'll live the truth out. You'll be consistent. You'll say it again. You'll live the way that, in a, in a way that they will know you. Your light will shine because of your good deeds and glorify our God in heaven. And, and so, you know, that to me is the most important thing with the way that I approach conversation is not that I'm going to get to the opportunity to tell the truth, but to earn the trust in the relationship so that they eventually see, seek and find the truth for themselves. I had to people. I mean, I, I can remember how many people told me about Jesus, but not until the point that I was ready to receive that truth. Uh, that's, that's the person I want to see in heaven. Y'all the rich young ruler. When everybody, people say, who would you go want to find first? I want to find him. I want to see, did he change his mind? Did he see the truth of Jesus over and over and over again? either before his hour or after his death, that he eventually gave his life to Christ and he's there. I don't know the end of that story yet. And that's what I want to know because that's, who cares? I, I asked that question in the chat box. Who cares how long it takes for them to grasp it? What, what as long as they do. Now we have that sense of urgency, right? And that's what drives us to when someone objects or, or, or pushes against us a little bit, has a different point of view, we want to immediately defend our situation. And, you know, the, the thing is, is our conversation as a coach is to understand the other person, not, mm -hmm. not convince them of something else. Larry put that in the chat box. You know, we are there, our questions, we're there to understand them because if we're asking questions to understand them, y'all, have y'all ever said something out loud before and be like, ooh, what in the heck was I thinking? You know, we give them a safe place to just really express and think and feel right. Right? And, and, and then when I was ready to meet Jesus, I, I had this foundation. People talked about it. I met a Sunday school teacher when I was seven years old. I have never seen her since. But man, the second, I mean, the minute I met Jesus, her face flashed in my, in my head. I remembered the truth that she told me in mm -hmm. such a, while she was serving us hot dogs at a pool party in her backyard. Right? She didn't sit me down and tell me all about hell and all the other stuff. Right? She didn't, she didn't do that. She treated me with compassion and just loved me right where I was in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then 20 years later, I made a different decision. Guys, what matter does it make? And by the way, this is absolutely true in our financial coaching, as well as in the deeper, more important conversations we have, right? How we live these things out. So keeping on the biblical theme today, which by the way, we do on most real talks. For all of you that this is your first real talk, you're like, these people talk about the Bible a lot. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna change. Um, but one of the things I think is so interesting, right? One of my, my favorite 
characters throughout all of scripture that I get to read about his life and his story was Peter. And Peter earlier on was a, he was aggressive, we'll say that, right? From everything from wanting to call down fire on a tree to <laughs> wanting to destroy an entire village because they weren't welcomed there uh, to at the night that Jesus was betrayed, taking out his knife and chopping off a soldier's ear with it, right? Peter was not known as the kindest or the most reasonable or the nicest of people, particularly among the disciples. So it's really, really interesting when later on in his life, after having been through this some stuff, Peter writes something really, really interesting in the first of his two letters. Uh, this is from 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Be prepared to give an answer with gentleness and respect from the dude who literally committed a felony assault on a soldier, right? Very, very different transition. This was a transformation for him. So think about what does this mean to approach our clients with gentleness and respect? I, I wanna spend some time here on the practical side of this. I, I know there's a couple of really great questions uh, in the chat box on how we do these things practically today. And, and so and, and I, I'll the reference here in the chat box in a second for those of you that are asking for it here in the chat box. Mm -hmm. But Lisa and Justin, what are some of the ways that we can specifically and practically approach these conversations? How do we approach a conversation with somebody who needs to sell their car? How do we approach a conversation with somebody who needs to reconcile to their spouse? How do we have the conversation with somebody who needs to be honest with themselves about the situation they've created? They, they need to address the behavior. They need to address the addiction. They need to address these things. And we know it. And the loving thing is to tell them the truth, but how do we do this in a way that is actually effective and impactful? Mm -hmm. Lisa, you want to go first or me? You, go right ahead, Justin. Yeah. All right. Let's get some Justin wisdom the, the in first, here, y'all. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> the, the first thing I thought of uh, as Tim was explaining this part is I, I had a picture in my mind. As you're practically having conversations, how do you want to interact with your clients? And I had two pictures in my mind. Because we're a leader, we're a guide in these conversations. Mm -hmm. I can lead by grabbing someone from their back collar and dragging them through the door that I want them to take. All the while telling them, this is the way you need to go. You'll like where you'll be on the other side. Just trust me. And even if they're kicking and screaming or whether they're reluctantly being, yeah, that's right, Lisa. Uh, I've got a real picture of this. Um, or, or they're just reluctantly following along behind me because we can browbeat people. We can guilt and you know, shame people into following our lead because I'm a truth teller and I'm just going to tell them. And I can drag people through the door that I think they ought to take. Another picture I had was 
if I'm a leader, if I'm a guide having a conversation with a client, we're standing in a hallway. And the hallway's got multiple doors in it. And I, as the leader, can guide my client through their decision process. Oh, well, we've, you've got a decision to make ahead of you. There's a couple of doors here. What happens if we go down route A, door number A? Door number A? No, door letter A. <laughs> there we go. Okay, let's, let's open the door. Let's look through what does that look like? Okay, what, what about option B? What happens if we open and go through door letter B? There we go. Let me get my analogy right here. And let's go through C. Can you think of any other doors that we should open and look into before you decide which one you want to go through? Notice the language. Before you decide which door you want to go through. That's a process that we can help them go through. And if they decide to go through a door that I as a coach think is suboptimal, is that my decision to then slam the door that they chose and say, well, good try, but you chose the wrong one. Let me show you the right door. And then again, I, I, I grab them by the collar of their mm -hmm. shirt and I start dragging them again. I don't want to be someone who drags my clients to this place or that place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are the pictures that came to my mind. Yeah. Well, we could go so deep on those, can't, can't we, Tim? I mean, just the, the imagery that it paints. Um, you know, I want to keep that. I just bought this car six months ago and I bought it because my wife is about to have another baby and it's safe and it's the, and all of the things come up. And, you know, here's mm -hmm. the thing, coaches, is that if we're not careful, we'll. And, and, and that's what Justin is talking about. This is their perspective. This is their choice. And if we're not careful, then we will, uh, the, our, our response will, will create combativeness, combativeness. Seizing control. It, yes, it'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll cause them to have to defend a choice that they made or a choice that they're about to make. You know what? That's, man, I don't want somebody to have to defend themselves against me. I'm not in a fight with them. I'm on their team. If I'm squaring off with them, then somebody has to lose. And now our discussion is about who's right and who's wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly not going to build that trusted relationship. But just even when you, about, even when you win mm -hmm. that one, you lose, you lose because you fought a fight that's not the type of the kind of fight you should be in. And, and, but Justin's saying, well, you know, what would, what would it look like if you did it this way? If you chose door number A, door number B, nor, you know, what would that look like? And allow them to move forward out of the place that they're in, right? And give them visuals and vision that's a visionary question. That's, mm -hmm. that's truly a technique with counselors and, and coaches. And I think there's a different word for it, but that's, it's visionary question. Another thing that stands out in my mind is that, you know, as we're thinking about the skill set of doing this, it's first of all, just listen to the client. They will give you words to question. You know, I'm, we just feel so stuck in that choice. Well, what mm -hmm. describe stuck? What's that feel like? What do you mean stuck? You know, is it quicksand? Maybe it's, maybe they're in a stuck in the mud and the wheels are spinning. That's a little different. Let's, well, what's that mean? What's that feel like? 
just and we we give it they've given you an analogy paint the picture of that and and the people will stop and go oh i thought that way before well what is it that really it, it causes you to be stuck well it's, it is this car payment it, it it this man we did strap ourselves all right man you're strapped what do you do about it you cut the strap unbuckle it what, what are we going to do here you know, I, I don't have to tell them i could stop at that point and go okay well if you sell a car and you do this and you do that and then you buy this and you know and then you start paying yourself a car payment i could just start with a mouthful of marbles spitting information at them but that's my solution to their problem you know you give them an opportunity to reveal their own sorry tim i didn't mean to catch no, I, I love it uh, and, and the word that got tossed out in here in the chat box of, of power struggle uh it hmm. took me way back in mine in my own mind here for a second to one of my earlier mentors in life uh who used to explain the best way to get out of a power struggle and i'll, I'll share that all with you in a second here um but first because we love metaphors and imagery around here when I think about a power struggle, I, I think about that lovely game tug of war. And we used to play this in my youth group back in the day all the time. And I know you can't tell on a screen, I'm a pretty good sized dude in real life. And so frequently I was one of the larger guys on my team during tug of war in youth group, which means I was always at the back of the rope because you, you wanna put your anchors at the back of the rope. And, and part of my natural personality, we talked about this earlier, right? We, we talk these ways, we say these things based on who we are and these things flow out from inside of us. And I was going to get into the power struggle. The smarter people in tug of war would just grab the rope because when you grab the rope, when you realize we're going down and I don't wanna end up in the mud, you can just let go. The guy at the back who's going to try to anchor his team and not give up at some time is going to do what I did and tie the rope around his waist. And when you're at the back of the line and you tied the rope around your waist and you've discovered that your team is not stronger than the other team in this particular round and everyone else on your team begins to let go, there's only one place you're going and it is face down in the mud. And I found myself plenty of times face down in the mud, still holding on to that rope. Right. I didn't give up. I didn't win either. Right? It, it, there was no value in that moment. And so one of my early mentors used to say the easiest way and the best way to get out of a power struggle and, and to win in a power struggle is to just back out. When, when you realize that the other person is pulling so hard on, they're, they're talking, I'm keeping this car. I'm not going to do this budget. I'm not going to work these extra jobs. I'm not going to sell this thing. I'm not going to do these things you're telling me. At some point, the responsible thing is to let go of the rope. And are they going to fall down on their butt? Yes. Is that your responsibility? Not at all. They're the one tugging on the rope. They're the one pulling themselves into it. They're the one who says, I'm going to do this fiercely and without any kind of being told no. And so when we find ourselves in a power struggle, back out. I, I don't need to prove the value of this to anyone. And, and some of you that have been around for a while have heard me say this. I have had plenty of clients that did not believe with what we believe here. They, they thought I was full of it. They said, this will never work. And at the end of those days, I leave this wonderful paid for building that we sit in. 
and I walk outside and I get in my paid for truck. And I drive to my paid for house. I have a paid for dinner with my lovely wife. I'll sit and cuddle with my little son and not let those things ruin my day because someone's responsibility is their responsibility. So I don't engage in those power struggles anymore most of the time. Sometimes I still get brought back in. And, and it's not running away from them. It's not trying to escape them. It's realizing this is not a battle or a war that I'm going to win. And even the idea of, of getting into a battle with my clients, how many of you took on coaching because you want to get in battles constantly? Right? I didn't take this on because I wanted to fight a bunch of people. I took this on because I want to help people who are willing to make some changes in the world. And so when I can sit down and ask them great questions, what would your world look like if this thing was different? Mm -hmm. or, or from the counseling, the miracle question, if you were to wake up tomorrow morning and some miracle had happened throughout the course of the night and you woke up tomorrow morning and the biggest problem facing your finances was gone, but you were asleep, so you don't know the miracle happened. What would be different in your life to show you that that miracle had happened? How would you know that this miracle had happened? And then what happens if you started living your life as though this had happened? It's interesting how we'll sometimes start to think, if I live as though this had happened, sometimes it actually does in fact happen. Not always, but sometimes it does in fact change things. Tim, can you clarify, when you were giving your metaphor of letting go, of the yeah. power struggle. Can you clarify what you mean by that? Because we've had some comments about, are you letting the client go? Are you firing your client in those regards? I don't fire clients because they don't follow the process of the baby steps or the things we talk about inside of a session. For, for me personally, every single one of us is gonna have to make this decision. And y'all, this is a tough one. I know a lot of you have very different standards for when and where you'll fire clients. And, and that may be a good conversation for another day, not with the remaining time we have today because we don't have time for that full discussion. But for me personally, this is just me speaking to myself. Lisa and Justin may even disagree with me on this. I'm not sure. I don't fire clients just because they're not following these things, especially if they're not following these things perfectly. I, I have never fired a client because they refuse to sell the car. For me, when, when I say let go of the rope, I mean, I'm not going to fight them on this particular topic where I will let somebody go, meaning I will walk away from the game, is if, if they become disrespectful or antagonistic. And, and for me, not following through on re my recommendations is not disrespecting me. Those are the things that they've got to do and they know that and they don't need me to, to continually shove it in their face. I'm not being disrespected because somebody decides they don't want to sell their car. And I don't take it as a personal point of disrespect. But if someone says like, you're a terrible human being, I wish terrible things on you and your family. I'm not going to keep seeing them anymore. If somebody threatens me, I'm not going to continue to work with them anymore. If somebody is going to be continually in conflict with their spouse in a way that is outside my ability to help manage inside of those sessions, then I can't help them anymore. And so there's nothing wrong with setting boundaries. But for me, somebody simply not doing the things that I want them to do is not, for me, grounds to fire somebody. That's grounds to keep working on them even harder, mm -hmm. but not by pushing and not by shoving, but by asking questions and offering hope and being constantly prepared to give an answer for the hope that I have, but doing this with gentleness and respect so that nobody can look at what I'm doing and say, that guy's malicious. Mm -hmm. That guy's screwing it up. 
right? Because by the way, yes, like I work for Dave, Lisa, Justin works for Dave. A lot of you are out there saying like you're attaching Ramsey to this. Dave doesn't need us to defend him. I'm not trying to build Dave's reputation. My reputation matters. What happens if I have 10 clients in a row that all think I'm an overbearing, over-the-top person and nobody wants to work with me? I've destroyed my ability to help people. So how do I do this with gentleness and respect? Justin, does that answer the question? Yep. Awesome. Well, because we hear this sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's about the, the need to be right. Or where, or maybe even better, it might be answering the question, what's my value as a coach? Where is my value as a coach? If my value as the coach is purely, primarily, and only in, I can give my clients the right answers to solve and fix their problems. I would argue you're not a coach. Mm -hmm. You might be a, a financial expert but you're not being a coach. And so we've had several questions come in the Q&A box and in the chat box around this type of topic of how do we provide value? How do we provide great um, effect in our clients' lives if we're not just answering their questions and telling them what to do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lisa, can you pick up on that thread? Um, encouraging clients and not telling them what to do. That word encouraging keeps coming up. There's a, I mean, my thoughts are all over the place right now. Y'all, it's crazy. Um, but um, Justin, I told you a few weeks ago, Tim, I think you were here when I was saying this. Um, I heard the phrase that was in a devotion um, that instead of giving constructive criticism, which is just really creative mm -hmm. criticism, we're criticizing someone for a choice they've made or a job that they're doing instead of con constructive encouragement mm -hmm. that that felt more like the heart of a coach to me in in, in the idea of constructive encouragement um, because again the outcome is a trusted relationship you mm -hmm. know we hear coaches say you know uh, if if you were to ask the coach what well what what do you what do you do if i if i'm asking you what a coach says well i'm I'm going to be on your team. I'm on your side. I want to see you succeed and all these other things. Well, again, if we, if we square off, if, if there's a disagreement and I'm there at that point, positioning myself to, to make certain that in the name of truth, I'm, they're going to do what I think they should do. Then, um, um, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm doing it for the sake of a rule. I'm not on their team anymore. Again, I'm, uh, somebody's got to lose. No, I don't want my client to lose ever, ever. And they may, you know, the thing is, is if they make a choice that I don't agree with, they may lose. I, I was talking to a coach yesterday. Um, he's engaging. This young woman is about to do coaching with him and his wife, and she is already in bankruptcy. She's already filed, stamped. It's in the court. They've just set up her payments she's still in the red with her payments. I'm not quite sure how the trustee let that happen, but it, he did, and now she's in it, mm. right? And the question that she asked the young coach was, you know, should I have done this? Should I have done it differently? Should I have made another decision? And what the, the young coach did was perfect. You know what? That, that doesn't make any difference. What choice are you gonna make today so that in five years from now, whether you continue with 
bankruptcy protection or not, because she's she may choose otherwise. What what are you going to do today? See, the thing is, she already knows the truth. She already she wouldn't be asking the question if she didn't know it. What do you think we should do about this car? They already know. Honestly, let's give people let's give people a little bit of credit here, right? They already know. That's why they're asking the daggone question in the first place. And if and if we jump on it like a dog on a bone, right? Man, we we might maul somebody. That's a word picture right there, right? That sure is. But but that is you know that the instead you know well you know what what's the choice what's the new choice today what's something mm-hmm. different again what's behind door number a door number b what do you see creative and 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 constructive encouragement to say you are capable of making the best decisions sometimes with really bad options you know people will say to us you know i know you all don't believe in bankruptcy well what do what do you mean we don't believe in bankruptcy it, no, bankruptcy I, is a fact it, it does exist it is, right? right it's not the you tooth know, fairy that's right. <laughs> that's right and um the question becomes what's right for you in that moment and and so there's a difference now we're distinguishing what's right in the decisions that have that that will have impact on your future versus telling that truth they know the truth and it will be revealed it will be revealed if i had the chance to not file bankruptcy i i wouldn't have done it they'll get to that truth right it, I, I don't have to stick with them but now what we're doing is refocusing on digging out that treasure what is the treasure that will now allow them to feel empowered and smart and um, and take charge and be in control of their decisions and their life moving forward. Uh, so, so now what we're doing is we take the opportunity to not just smack somebody down with that truth, but instead restore them so that when they see the truth the next time, they, they step right into it, right? When the truth is presented and offered again, just like that relationship with Christ I described when it was offered over and over again because of the people who managed me and handled me well and helped challenge my perspectives and loved me anyway, as lost and broken and stupid as I was, then when the time was right. So, you know, another verse of scripture is coming back to me because this is work that has no end never grow weary in doing what is good for in the right time you'll reap the harvest it's galatians 6 9 i do remember that one right so we in those moments it's a lot of this is just in about our own self-management like what you were talking about earlier our own headspace and self-management and you know, truth and love. And if we love people well, then they'll see the truth. And how quickly that comes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, you and I were talking, I think it was yesterday, uh, that I, I had a mentor tell me one time about my parenting. And he said, Justin, if you won't listen to your kids when they're young, they won't listen to you mm-hmm. when they're older. Yeah. 
do you want them to listen to you when they're older? When the bigger decisions mm-hmm. are coming down the pike, when they're teenagers, when they're going to college, when they're young adults. I was like, yeah, I do. And he said, well, one of the best investments you can make is listen to them now because mm-hmm. you're building that relationship. And coaches, it's the same thing for us. When we are working with our clients, be quick to listen, not quick to answer or tell. Mm-hmm. Because if you will sit in there and listen and dig and mine for that treasure, like Lisa was talking about, and ask clarifying questions, go deeper with your client, because you're still, pri- even when you ask that clarifying question, you're still listening, even though you've asked a question. But the moment I start to turn into, well, let me tell you what I think you, let me tell you the answer. Well, this one time and I start telling, I'm no longer listening. But if I spend a good amount of time listening to my client, it builds that trusting relationship so that later when it is time to talk, they'll listen back. Because we've given them that dignity. We've given them that respect. They feel heard. And, and we've mined long enough for them. Now, you can't spend too long in that process, right? <laughs> there's, there's always a downside to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, co- coaches, I would encourage you, spend more time listening and delving deeper. And y'all, in, in Ephesians 6, it lays out the full armor of God. The truth is not a weapon in that list. The truth is the belt. It's the thing that everything else hinges on. If you will root yourself in the truth, if you will use the truth as the foundation of everything we do, if we will be willing to say the hard things, but in the gentle way, the clear way, to be unclear is to be unkind, but to ask the hard questions, to share the difficult truths, you can see results with clients that are unbelievable. And, and as we wrap up, I saw this great question just for some confirmation here. Jessica had thrown this in. My fear is if I stay at their pace and listen and question and let them lead, that they'll leave thinking I didn't add value because I'm not throwing out information and solving their need, that the session wasn't worth it. Can you affirm their pace is always the right pace and our value is how we're mining and communicating with them versus results? Yes. If you let your client set the pace and you show up with the truth, with gentleness and respect so that nobody can slander you. Nobody can say you didn't do it the right way. Their responses, their responsibilities, their choices, their options are theirs. You be the coach. You get to be that guide. Let them take on the responsibility for their own lives. That's a good and honest and appropriate way to do this. Y'all, thank you so much for another fantastic conversation. We're going to do this again in a couple of weeks. Continue to watch your email. Uh, usually it takes us a couple of days to get these posted into uh, the repository of them, but you can find that on the Real Talk tab on the left side of your screen on FCMT online. We'd love to hear from you as always. Uh, but thank you for being here. Thank you for investing this time into yourselves, into your families, into your communities. Thank you for allowing yourselves to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing this. So keep going, everybody. It's all been a blast. Talk to y'all again soon. Love y'all.